What's happening, y'all? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we have CIF uh, Championship Coach, the Director of Basketball Operations, and the Head Coach of Viewpoint School, Mr. JJ Prince. My guy, thank you. Man. Thank you for having me. So excited to finally have you on here, man. We've been talking about yes. it for a long time. Yes. Um, Going get, to get straight to it. And, yes. uh, you know, we start this show off with the wall of hoop movies. Your favorite hoop movie of all time. And why? There's a couple not on there. We always like to let people know. Rebound with Martin Lawrence, uh, Just Right with uh, Common and uh, Queen Latifah, Space Jam 2. Mm -hmm. It's uh, too hard for me to choose just one. So okay. I, I'm going to go with two. Okay. Uh, Hoosiers, um, me and my dad. My dad was so influ influential for my sports, my love of sports and, and love of basketball. Um, and that was pretty much probably the first movie he showed me. So, um, and I actually shared that experience with my son, Mason, yeah. uh, not too long ago now. So, awesome. um, that and, uh, white men can't jump, you know, Billy Hoyle, you know, yep, yep. um, that whole movie's fantastic too. So those are my two. Yeah, no, absolutely. Two, two classics. Um, I, I don't think you can be a true hooper until you watch those two movies. Correct. And I think these young <laughs> kids need to go back and make sure you check these movies out. Absolutely. Hoosiers, for sure. I think every coach should show it to their team in some like bonding experience or something. Yes. And then White Man Can't Jump. Have you seen the new one? I can't watch it. You have to do it. Okay. I, I didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I got to do it? You have to do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> there, there's some good ties. They try to. The reason I didn't like it, right, is that the parts that they try to tie into the old movie, mm -hmm. I don't think they did justice okay. with it. I think they should have just made a standalone movie because sure. they, you know, made it to for this generation, which mm -hmm. was cool. But yeah. then they tried to make things kind of similar, but they weren't. It was, sure. it was weird for me. Um, ultimately, White Man Can Jump's a classic, and yes. uh, <laughs> you, you gotta, you know, just lick in the air, make licking your finger and seeing which way the air is blowing to shoot your shot. Just for little sure. stuff like that. For sure. Always a classic. Foods so. that begin with a letter Q and <laughs> yes. the lines are they're never ending in that one. Never ending. <laughs> never ending. Awesome. So. so we'll start with uh, when did you fall in love with basketball? I fell in love with basketball uh, from the second my dad showed me Showtime Lakers, right? Mm. Uh, the Boston Celtics, Larry Bird. Um, that rivalry was critical you know, to me growing up. Um, yeah. So so watching that and how do you, you know, not grow up with Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and my goat, Michael Jordan, um, how do you not, uh, how do you not fall in love with the game? Right. You know, um, it was just such an amazing time uh, to be alive. And I'm so glad that was my childhood, right? Those yes. players, um, those teams, so. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so did you grow up in LA? I grew up in L.A., yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So yes. I grew up in L.A. So were you a Lakers fan? Born and raised, up? yes. Awesome, yes. okay. Um, I, I'm not so much anymore. Um, it, it's hard once a couple of the players that you coach make the NBA, your, your heart strings <laughs> yeah. uh, end up with their teams. Yes. So um, so I still uh, support the Lakers, but not in the same way. Right, so, no, 100%. Yeah. I, I think I grew up liking the Lakers just because of my dad and all that, and then kind of drifted away when I started actually liking basketball. I started liking different players, right? Mm -hmm. The Allen Iverson, yeah. uh, Gilbert Arenas even. Like those mm -hmm. guys in my, my yes. high school days were like, I was all over mm -hmm. the place. And then as I became a trainer, 
like you said, working with NBA players is like, I don't know if I could like a certain team. I like, sure. I just like the NBA sure. and, yeah. and in general. And so uh, my friends hate me for it because they are, you know, diehard Lakers fans and I talk crap to them, but they can't talk crap to me because I don't have a team. And Absolutely. So, <laughs> that's, that's, so, that's good. Um, so when did you start playing? I started playing probably when I was four or five years old, right? Yeah. Uh, started dribbling the ball. Um, I was very fortunate to have my, my dad coach me when I was younger. Nice. Um, he instilled a lot of the principles that are within my coaching philosophies to this day. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so started playing real young. And, uh, on, you know, even though I was a Lakers fan, the only he, he tried to get the Lakers team for us. But we ended up uh, being the Boston Celtics that year. <laughs> so, um, but it was it was all good. So, yeah, that, that was when I first remember playing about four or five years old. Wow. Man, I, I didn't start until I was 11. Everybody comes oh, in here wow. and tells me that they started super young. Okay. I didn't start playing until I was 11. Like, no love or interest in it at all. And wow. And just fell in love with it. And it's just taken off from there. And yeah. There. But um, I can't even imagine what my mind would be like falling in love with the game that young. Uh, give me, give me a... Uh, I'm a fly on the wall in the Prince household. Uh -huh. uh, what is basketball? You know, what did it mean to you growing up? And you know, like you said, your dad instilled those fundamentals and principles into you. What, sure. is, what does that look like in the Prince household? You growing up? It's it's so I'll never forget, and and I do this for my son Mason now. Um, he would always host an end of the year banquet for the team, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So we go to a restaurant, and he'd set everything up, and and uh, you know, looking back on it, he'd always uh, give me a book or or a, a, a picture that meant something to the two of us, right? Mm -hmm. um, whether it was Michael Jordan, Magic, or you know, some uh, Pat Riley book, and he'd always write a message to me um, within the book. Mm. And the message uh, you know, would, would always instill confidence within me, but he would always and somehow shape it in a manner where, um, how am I trying to say this? He, he would shape it in a manner that, um, spoke to the journey more than anything else yeah. you know it's not about the wins it's not about the losses it's about the memories formed right uh the friendships formed yes um and to stay focused on that right um as, yeah. as hard as we train and as hard as we practice and I, you know people at that age at that time thought he was crazy because he'd have us running half miles and miles <laughs> uh to be in shape you know legs feed the wolf uh mentality but uh but it was it was awesome looking back and you know, there's, there's, you know, many messages I'll give to my players, um, and it reminds me, or my son, and it reminds me of, of that time period with my dad coaching me. Man, that's awesome. So, yeah. so I have this philosophy, you're a good shooter, aren't you? I used to be, no longer. I don't pick up the ball anymore in front of the guys. <laughs> but so you used to be a shooter. Is that one of your calling cards when you did play? I was an efficient shooter, yes. So I, my belief is that when a dad coaches you young, okay. you're a good shooter. Okay. Yeah. I am a big believer in that. It yeah. has proven every NBA player that I've spoken to that has, mm -hmm. and, and a good form, right? And, sure. And all of them, their dad taught them how to shoot. Devin Booker, uh, who else I would talk to? Uh, ben McLemore. Sure. Uh, like these guys who, who just got straps. Their dad taught them mm -hmm. how to shoot. And Interesting. It's like, I got to teach my, even if I'm not the best shooter, I got to teach my, my son how to shoot. So I got you. Something for you too. I'm sure you <laughs> yes. do it already, but like, yes. that's something that you can instill that for some reason has a long-term effect. So that's pretty cool. Interesting. So uh, working through grassroots, did you play any AAU, middle school, high school? What was it like coming up? Um, like you're 75 years old, coming up in LA during yeah. that time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yes, uh, I went to Montclair Prep. Okay. Um, and uh, I was there from 7th through 12th grade. Nice. So uh, Coach Malik Mansoor 
um, at that time was the head middle school coach. And uh, Coach Monsoor played for John Wood, uh, and um, he had quite the career himself, won some national titles. And uh, he was a fascinating human being and an unbelievable coach. Um, so I had the great fortune of playing for him in seventh and eighth grade. Um, and then, you know, did the standard route of freshman year, was on the junior varsity team. Mm -hmm. We were darn good, though. <laughs> um, and uh, got the call up my sophomore year, uh, Christmas tournament, uh, nice. go with the team. And uh, my first live action of seeing varsity basketball in Vegas was Baron Davis's Crossroads team oh boy. versus uh, Tracy McGrady's uh, Mount Zion team. So it was in that moment that I knew I was not going to be an NBA player, <laughs> um, literally, right? <laughs> so, um, so, but my coaching journey, I always say, started then, mm. uh, in that moment. I knew I wasn't going to play. So, yeah. um, and to actually uh, watch those two live, I still say Baron. For my money, Baron and Drew Holiday are the two best I've ever seen at the high school level. Yeah. With my own two eyes, I didn't get a chance to see LeBron with my own two eyes in high school. Mm. On TV I did, but um, so, you know, played as a sophomore, junior, and senior uh, at Montclair Prep, graduated and was a, uh, was a walk-on at, uh, at Wheaton College in Northern Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a long, hard road to be a walk-on. It taught me a lot about being the 12th, 13th guy on the bench, right? Yeah. Um, to this day, I always pay very close attention to those guys on my roster. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so that was my playing journey. Nice. Nice. So what was your biggest game playing against somebody in high school? Um, during that time, there were a ton of greats, right? Um, I, you already alluded to one Gilbert Arenas. He was unbelievable in high school at Graham. Um, you know, we, we, we played against, I'm sure in the summer league against the Collins twins. Yeah. Uh, they were fantastic. Got to see Casey Jacobson. He was oh, unbelievable. Man. He was crazy. Could score lights nice. out, right? Yeah. Baron Davis, crossroads. Yeah. Um, it was an unbelievable time in, in, in SoCal for the, for. I mean, it always is though, right? Right. I was saying, I yeah, every generation has had it, but still yeah. it's like, you know, there's people who are legends now. Like we're looking back in the, you know, yes. that are, have been through the NBA, retired and now sure. um, yeah. moving forward. So it's always cool to reflect and see where it was because honestly these kids today mm. I, I don't even think they know the rich history of la sure. basketball and that's why i do this right uh -huh. is to show them like hey you're coming from something that was that's been like this for a long time sure like, make sure yeah. you're honoring the game and respecting the game yes. and knowing who became before you because there's going to be somebody who comes after you and you want to mm -hmm. leave it like you found it and yes. i think la basketball has that opportunity to mm -hmm. like we gen we impact generations through what we do here because of the level of talent that we've Absolutely. been blessed with, the level of coaching that we have. Like mm -hmm. a lot of these high school coaches to me could be college coaches, 100% Absolutely. because of the commitment they have to have to coach these kind of players. And so it sounds like it's even, you know, dating back to when you were in high school. Yes. Uh, same, same concept. So uh, that's awesome. So, even uh, one of my coaches on staff, Josiah Johnson, who him and Gil actually have their own show now. Mm -hmm. uh, Gilbert Arenas, uh, Josiah was a phenomenal player in high school and he played at uh, UCLA, he followed his uh, brother Chris and his father Marcus. Yeah. Um, even a guy like Josiah, to me he's a legend. I mean, he would go for 20, 25 a game, you know, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. So, much, so many hoopers in the world. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, yes. And so uh, did you end up graduating from Wheaton after going? No, so, so I, I went to Wheaton um, for two years and knew I wanted to get into coaching. So I actually moved back out here 
and uh, began my coaching career at, uh, at Campbell Hall um, in, uh, in, the, in the eighth grade. Uh, I was the head coach of the eighth grade team for my first two years. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so um, you said, I, I, I like that you said, you know, being a walk-on and understanding that process. Sure. What would you tell someone who is maybe, you know, there's a lot of kids trying to be walk-ons now with just the mm-hmm. way college is set up. Sure. What advice would you give them and what can you tell them to be prepared for um, become, being a walk-on? Understanding your job. Your job is to get these starters ready, right? Or get the players that play ready. So uh, bringing a high level of attention to detail to the scouting report so you can become whoever you need to become uh, in that practice mm-hmm. to prepare for the game. Yep. Um, your likelihood of seeing court time is not high, uh, regardless of how you feel, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. Because there's scholarship players that were brought in, right, yes. to do a specific thing at the school, right? So they already have an enormous head start on you. Um, so very much embracing your role, right? Um, preparing your guys and being a, a, a great support system, right? It, it, it's a hard job, right? Yeah. To know night in and night out, you're probably not getting on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so managing the ego and checking it at the door mm-hmm. uh, is something that that's a priority and 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 should be all season long. Absolutely, so, yeah. no, that's, I think that's great because I I believe some kids believe, hey, I'm gonna walk on and I'm I'm gonna be starting. Sure. And try to try to fight to it. <laughs> yeah. And it's um, possible. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing's impossible. It's not real. It's not realistic. Was it the problem? Yeah. The probability is just low because of the scholarship players. Yes. And um, you weren't recruited for a reason, you know, mm-hmm. to be a scholarship player for a reason. So, mm-hmm. you know, work harder and, and do that. Continue to get better. And, you know, uh, Spencer Hubbard. Right. Walk yes, on at right. Duke. And yep. he got a scholarship his senior year. Yes. And now he's a, he's a, mm-hmm. a real scholarship player at Duke. Yes. But he worked his butt off to do that. 100%. And, and uh, it happens. But it took him four years yes. and a COVID year to do, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, shout out Spence. Yeah. Just hit him up on Instagram. So uh, yeah. made me think of him. He knew what he was doing when he went to Duke. He knew that he was getting there for the education, for the resources, yes. for the networking. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he wants to stay in basketball after he graduates, he knows he wants to do something with the game and he absolutely one of the best places to, to walk on it. Right. And have <laughs> yes. that opportunity. Right. So, yes, of um, no, I think that's awesome. And so how, how did that prepare you for what you do now in coaching as far as being, you know, a walk on at a college? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think you're, you better understand the roster, right? Uh, player one through 12 or one through 13, however many you have on your team. Um, you you understand scouting reports better in my opinion the way I was utilized was to prepare the other guys so naturally you pay very close attention to those scouting reports right yeah. um, so you learn the inner workings of, of uh, how to properly prepare um, and work ethic man like it, you know it, you, you got to bust your butt every single day just to feel a part of it at times right because it it does mess with you when you sit there in that shooting shirt every game, right? Yeah. In college, it just does. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, yeah. That, so, so in terms of like work ethic, scouting reports, um, understanding the emotional uh, stability of every player on the roster. Even though you know I was a player on the team, you, you, you're always on that bench, right? So you're looking left to right. You know, you, you have relationships with all the guys. How can you uplift them? You know, when they're going through the tough moments. Yeah. So I think that's where the natural coach and me kind of came into play a little bit. Yeah. So. 
Oh, that's awesome. And so your first opportunity, middle school, Campbell Hall. Yes. And so, which is fun yes. out here. I don't know. California middle school basketball is amazing. So yes. I've been able to coach in it for the last few <laughs> yes. years or oversee it. Just You've be taken it to it. another level. But yeah, but, but, but yeah. <laughs> just a little. But yes. it's still, it's even when we first started. So, mm-hmm. so history for people listening to the show, you know, we have core where we train kids and we, you know, middle sure. school. So we're very high level. But our first two years, we lost the Chaminade and Harvard Westlake in the championship mm-hmm. with stacked teams, kids who, one of those teams had Sky Clark, Louisville, Ben Schultzberg, UCSB, wow. Mike Price, uh, Dusty okay. Stromer, like loaded teams. And we mm-hmm. lost to KJ Simpson and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, his, name, the, his, his running mate. We lost to Keith them. Higgins was Keith Higgins? Yes, Keith? those yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. We lost to them in middle school uh-huh. in the championship game by 30. Wow. Yes, that was the second year. Our first year we lost to Harvard Westlake with a Spencer Hubbard, um, who is there, Mason Hooks, Okay. We lost to them, especially with a, with a stacked team as well. Absolutely, so, yeah. Middle school basketball is real. Now, since then, we've beat everybody. But, <laughs> but, good. but good. Um, what was middle school basketball like then, um, being at Campbell Hall and, and this private school, you know, private school league? It, it, was, uh, it was the most important thing in my world, in my universe, because I knew that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Oh, so those seven to ten games, you know. Yeah. Um, and I don't actually know where I would be because my first experience, uh, I don't know where I'd be without the first team I coached. Uh, I'm still very close with some of them to this day. They're now 35 years old. Um, and it's, uh, you know, that's how young I was when I started there, you know, I'm 20, they're 13, 14. (laughs) Um, but it was from the parents to the players, just an unbelievable experience. We weren't the year before, I think they maybe won one game. Wow. And uh, the first game I coached was was at Brentwood. Oh man! When I tell you we lost by forty, it was it might have been it it, it just felt worse. It, it felt like a hundred, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> like I must not be very good at this, right? Um, they had this fantastic half court trap, and um, so literally every single practice from there on out, we would work on this our our our, our breaking of this half court trap in case we ran into them in the playoffs, right? Sure enough, semifinals, um, we play Brentwood. And it's a nine-point game with a minute to go. We're down, and we make this um, um, amazing comeback. And um, we're down three with about, I don't know, five, six seconds. Draw up a play. Uh, They execute it perfectly. And we get fouled on a three-point shot. And my one kid, shout out Matt Sherry, um, who's a legend at, at Campbell Hall. He, uh, I had this thing where each, everyone had to shoot 150 free throws a week, right? And they'd bring in their sheet of paper with how many they made out of the 150. He was one of four or five kids that made sure he did it every week. But nonetheless, he's 13 years old. Right. He has to make all three to send it just oh, to overtime. Man. He knocks all three of them down. Oh. Sends us to overtime. Thank God, I thought he was going to be. <laughs> no, no, I mean he said it was. He was as cool as the other side of the pillow, man. It was. Nice. It was so uh, such a remarkable thing. Um, and um, we go into overtime. We beat him, and then we played Chaminade uh, in, in the finals, which is still to this day one of the best middle school teams I've, I've seen. They were just loaded. Mm. Uh, so we all kind of have a selective amnesia with that game, <laughs> uh, you know. So, but. Uh, it was an amazing run with amazing kids, amazing parents. Um, Graham Bowsley, uh, the point guard on that team, is now the head coach at Cathedral Catholic. Oh, wow. 
he was a 14-year assistant coach mentored by uh, Bo Ryan, Shaka Smart. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so look awesome. out for Cathedral Catholic. They're going to be pretty darn good. Yeah. So, um, and then the next year, got the opportunity to coach Drew Holiday um, nice. at 13 years old. Um, and a lot of the players on that team were also very talented and good. Um, but obviously, he stood out. <laughs> just, a, just a little bit. <laughs> he stood out. Yeah, just a little bit. Awesome. So so you have a 13-year-old Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, what... I guess you didn't know he was an NBA player then to an extent. Like, uh, how how noticeably different were you able to assess, like, this kid has the potential to be a pro, right? Yeah, we, as a young sure, coach, right? Because sure. I think a lot of trainers think their guy is the next, the next course, dude, yeah. right? And so, you know, I'm around it a lot. Middle school, mm-hmm. like, I could pretty much tell now if mm-hmm. a kid is going to fizzle out because I'm not looking just at basketball. Of course, I'm looking yeah. at the well-roundedness of, of a mm-hmm. person, right, and their family and all these things. What were you looking at then, and what did you see then as a 13-year-old? At, uh, in layup high? lines, buddy, I knew. I, I was like, he's going, he's going deep. He moved different. He, I'm telling you, I went home that night. I, or I had dinner with my folks, actually, before I went home. And I said to my mom, I said, I, I think he's going to be able to go to Duke, North Carolina, wherever he wants. There was something about him. Yeah. It was like nothing I had ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you could see it then. Uh, wow. He was the combination of of power and grace, yeah. you know, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. It really was. Wow. So, so uh, did you guys go on to win the championship that year? So, no, we lost in the semifinals. And those of us that have known Drew his whole life, he's notorious for if he's jumping out of bounds with the ball, he's looking to throw it off somebody. Okay. Um, the kid's head just happened to be there, so he threw it off, just a basketball play, and uh, the official threw him out of the game. In the third quarter, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, so we ended up losing that game without him. Uh, and that's how his middle school career ended. But um, I still watch him to do, do that play to this day right. uh, in the NBA. It's a basketball smile. play. It's what? a basketball play. Yes. Do you know who the ref is? So we can talk I don't. To I don't remember. Games. I don't think I've ever seen him. Was again. it certified officials back probably then? Too? Probably not. I would say, hey, <laughs> look probably at Jim. <laughs> get get so, your stuff together. Oh, man, not. referees. Yeah. It was a tough way to go out. Yeah. So it was a tough way to go out. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, um, so middle school ball. So you're still focused. So you, you're starting in the middle school with yes. the goal of being a head basketball 100%, coach. One hundred percent. Yeah. High school, college. Where did you know what level did you want to coach at at that time? I always wanted to be a dad. So mm-hmm. it's not to say college coaches can't be unbelievable fathers. The amount of time I wanted to devote to my son or or future child, right? Because mm-hmm. um, that's what he was at that time, a future <laughs> right. child. Um, you know. Um, high school was 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 my arena yeah. right and I also love just for me and how I coach I believe my greatest impact is between 14 and 18 years old well now 14 and 19 years old right, right. so <laughs> maybe um, 21 yeah. depending on the <laughs> yeah but, yes no. <laughs> so um yeah so but uh but I always felt like high school was my yeah where, where I wanted to be Awesome. So you saw the opportunity. How did, well, I, I guess we went reversing a little bit. How, how did the opportunity at Campbell Hall come about? Great question. So a gentleman by the name of Chris Holland, who's still there. I worked with him at Sports Plus Day Camp. <laughs> I was a summer counselor and a program director there. And um, he said, hey, if, you know, if you're moving back from college, we'd love to get you some work. And he helped set me up and uh, you know, kind of took it from there. Man, that's awesome. So, yeah. the road to being a head coach. So, this what year is this? This is total? No, 2003-ish? 
I want to yeah, say. I yeah, I think so 2003, 2003 maybe 2002. And yeah. then you became a head coach in 2013. For Viewpoint? Head, no, a head, a yes. A head. 2009 at Viewpoint was my first head job or was my program. Okay, so it took you six years to become a head coach of your own program. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What was that six years like? When I tell you it's very, very hard, I'm not lying. It's <laughs> yeah. very, very hard because you so desperately want to make it one. Um, if I could talk to my younger self, I would tell him to be more patient, right? Because you always think like you're ready because you're always preparing for that moment, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I would tell my younger self to be more patient. But it, it's hard because there's no money in it, right? you know? Um, you're, you're living off a stipend that when it comes, you've already spent that money. And in this state, things are very, very expensive. So, you know, your determination and persistence, right? It has to remain, right? Yes. It has to, you're doing what you love, but you're struggling to survive. Yeah. And that's, that's a, a reality. So a lot of coaches now move into that training sector that you know far better than I do. Um, and, and there's a lot more money with that up front, right? I can... Mm. I can go make $100 an hour, $75 an hour, whatever it is, yeah. by comparison to a, st a school stipend or an hourly rate that's going to be taxed. Right. So uh, my advice to those that are aspiring head coaches is stick with it, be patient, do whatever you can to make it. If it's dog walking, if it's house yes. sitting, um, you know, if it's uh, trying to supplement with private training, right? Um, uh, summer camp jobs. I, I mean, I did it all, <laughs> whatever it took to survive, yeah. you know? Yes. Yeah. So. No, I like that. You know, you had the dream you said almost yes. when you were, when you first started playing or yeah. when you realized that you were going to be a coach in, in Las Vegas, right? Like yeah. that moment you're <laughs> yeah. like 16 years old. <laughs> I know I what I'm, I know this is for me, right? <laughs> yes. And you didn't let anything deter you. And like the, the money thing is real, especially out here mm -hmm. in California. Yes. Um, but it paid off. I'm sure at the end of the day, and um, the journey that you mm -hmm. had that you took as being an assistant, right? Sure. Starting in eighth grade, what was the next step? So Campbell Hall, eighth grade. Yeah. So Campbell Hall had eighth grade coach, yep. and then I had the great fortune of meeting my my mentor Russell White. Oh, yeah. I was introduced to him through a family friend and uh, a good friend of my dad's. Uh, his son was at Calabas High School at the time, and uh, he knew I was into coaching, and he knew I wanted to kind of further advance my career. And uh, so he, uh, so he recommended my dad that I call Russell. They were looking for a head frosh, uh, freshman coach, so I called Russell. I said, "Hey, you know, coach." I probably called him Sir. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, uh, Sir, uh, you know, I'd love to meet with you. Where are you at right now?" You know, in his, Ru <laughs> in his, in his Russell voice. And I'm like, "Sorry, well, please put a clip of Russell right here." Karina, <laughs> you. He, was, he was just here, so that's uh, gonna be awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm like, "Well, I live, you know, I live at the Warner Center, Woodland Hills," and he was like, "Okay, well, I'm here now." And um, I was like, okay, well, I can come by campus right now. I, I, I would have gone, you know, however yeah. I needed to get there. So he goes, okay. I was like, and he's about to hang on the phone. Wait, wait, wait. I, you know, I don't know what you look like. You know, how do I find you? Six five, white, bald. You'll find, you'll find me. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, no problem. And you know, that's when I met the great Russell White. And I didn't know, I, you know, I didn't know really know anything about a program. Yeah. Until that time, and and uh, he's he's just been a blessing for yeah. me every step of the way uh, since I met him. Mm -hmm. He's a great friend, um, very blessed to be uh, the godfather of his uh, you know, second child, Spencer, who I think is gonna be a seven footer. Wow. Um, but yeah, so, so I met Russ at Calabasas High School. 
Um, and they had just come off their first ever CIF uh, uh, final appearance with mm -hmm. Drew Hausman. Yeah. Um, and then the next year, we were really, really good. Um, we just didn't have enough to, to, to you know, win a championship. But we, I think we had five or six guys that were six, eight, and taller. Um, six, eight, and taller? We were huge. Rustin, yes. tell we, me did, we didn't have a point guard. We were huge. That's crazy. And, uh, yeah, and then Russ, that next year, got the head job at Crespi. Um, I got a call to return to Campbell Hall. So I go, uh, Coach Drew, his junior year. Um, it was Justin's senior year. Rob Ford was unbelievable. My former assistant coach, Keegan Hornbuckle, who I think, and not for the injuries, he was the perfect modern-day basketball player, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, compassionable and shoot. Man. Yeah. Um, super smart. I really believe he was an NBA guy, too. Um, just a, a, a brilliant was that basketball Deuce, mind. Deuce was there at that Deuce time. Deuce was too. there at that Man. time too. It was it was loaded. I mean, yeah. we I think we were number eleven in the country, you yeah. know. And um, that team was, you know, Joe Finnerty, six uh, A, played volleyball at UCLA. He was, you know, he really pieced that team together. Was very much a glue guy. Yeah, he could allow everybody to guard their natural positions, and it, yeah. it was great. Man, what an unbelievable. Uh, group of guys that was man that's awesome i want to go back to uh russell white and sure. finding that mentor right yeah i think that's so important for coaches mm -hmm. to you know we have some pride with us right because we played and we've learned and we can do things as coaches and sure. trainers and all that i think it's extremely important to get that at least one person right if not multiple that can show you the ropes 100 and um like you said that was your first your first introduction yeah. to running a program um so what what should a young coach look for in a mentor? Um, oh, wow, what a great question. Um, first and foremost, I don't think it's any different than a player. Find somebody that cares about you. So when players are looking for programs, you know, I would highly recommend finding a coach that is going to invest in you, right? Um, he really, Russell has this amazing way of treating his assistant coaches and the people that work for him. He's, for as... Um, uh, intense as he can be he's so huge-hearted um, with his assistant coaches and he's so willing to share because that guy is unafraid of somebody <laughs> doing it as good as he does you know yeah. what I mean like he's that good at what he does so he shares every bit of knowledge and and he has a wealth of knowledge yeah. um, and he just treated us unbelievably and you know um, I think that's, to answer your question specifically, I think that's where it starts, right? Is finding yeah. somebody that cares about you. Yeah. Um, because that is not always the case. So, <laughs> it's not. You know. No. And so so finding somebody who cares for you. Um, on the basketball side, what are you looking for? Like you said, this is your first time being introduced to a real program. Sure. I think that is why a lot of coaches don't do as good as they can because they know the basketball. Mm -hmm. They can get the kids. Mm -hmm. But that program... Yes. is not structured the yeah. proper way. How important is that program structure and what have you learned along your journey and as a head coach mm -hmm. now that you would teach somebody who maybe is your assistant? That's a, that's a, a really good question as well. I, I think structure, right? Because so much of our job is really not on the court. You know, right. it's, it's the balancing of parents, players, coaching staff, schedules, um, there's just so much that goes into all this. Your, your advanced network of college coaches, right? Your advanced network of AAU programs. Um, doing a deep dive into all of that is absolutely necessary if yes. you want to be successful, right? right? If you're just focusing on X's and O's and your court time, that's 
probably 30% of the job now, yeah. you know, and that might be a high number. Mm -hmm. um, so really having somebody to show me those ropes was, was critical. And I try and do that with my staff members that are aspiring for more. Yeah. I've been very lucky. My guys have stayed with me. Yeah. Um, you know, Ron Quarterman, who I love dearly. He's more of a brother now. You know, he and I are in year 16 together. Wow. I stole... Uh, so he was with you at Crespi? Yeah. That's yeah. Wow. So he was with me at Crespi. We were JV and we just clicked and he's a Crespi alum. So it was hard to steal a Crespi <laughs> alum. But uh, we went through the proper channels with Russell and he approved it. Um, awesome. So yeah, but I, you know, you look at Coach Pope, who's, um, I believe was just on the podcast recently. Yep. Um, he's going to be a fantastic head coach. He's got the X's and O's. He's got the charisma. You know, he, uh, from his playing days as a point guard, is so uh, brilliant, right? Um, so he's he's the total package. And it was really a blessing to have him on staff last year. Mm -hmm. um, we, we I always tell him we lucked into him. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I, the coaching trees, man, the people who are connected to Russell White, and the other one who came on the show, Reggie Morris, like mm -hmm. those coaching trees are just ridiculous. Sure. Yeah. And just the LA area. I mean, I'm sure there's more. Those are the two that Absolutely. we had here. Um, there's many more, but it's just crazy how everybody's connected here. And, you know, I coach with this person here and yes. all that kind of yeah. stuff is just amazing to me. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's a it's a big family. And mm -hmm. um, I that's what I love this show for is that I want to get back to the connectivity of yes. this basketball thing. It's like yeah. we're so... Um, competitive, but that doesn't mean that we can't hang out and still talk basketball and 100%. share information and really look out for these kids. At the end of the day, we all do this because we love working with kids yes. and developing them on the court or yes. using basketball as a tool to develop them. And so I want to always encourage that. And that's, that's awesome. Like you have some connectivity up here with Russ yeah. and then <laughs> now Austin, you know, guys who yeah. worked under you and um, that you've worked with. So that's sure. awesome. So your time at Campbell Hall, we got to talk about it. National yes. ranked team. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different level of basketball. Yes. Um, what What was the moment that you realized is like, oh, <laughs> this is this is a <laughs> this is real basketball here, right? What? Yeah. It was uh, so to go from Calabasas, where we had really good teams, um, like you said, it, those are more state level teams, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you go to the national level. The the speed, the skill set. Uh, the size and length, right? Our our greatest gift was our team speed, and uh, you know we really got up and down. Uh, we we went to Minnesota for a showcase and played Hopkins, mm. and you give us an NBA court at 92 feet that space. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't even keep up, and they were a fantastic team. You know, I probably watched four or five films, and they were great. You know, and we yeah. just ran them off the court. Um, good luck against Rob Ford, Drew Holiday, Justin, and, and those those guys. Man, they were incredible. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, man, was Dallas there yet, or Dallas came? Dallas down? was there. Dallas that year was dealing with a little bit of a knee injury. Okay, so he got a bit a little bit of a late start. Um, Dallas is an unbelievable young man. I'm so yeah. happy to see his successes too. Yeah. Awesome, he's great. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, and so, what is the what was the big was that the biggest game against Hopkins in Minnesota? What was the biggest game that year? That's that's when you guys played the Brooks brothers as well, right? Uh, I'm sorry, Brooks, Lopez. Lopez I'm sorry, the Lopez no, twins. we did not play them that year. Oh, okay, that okay. was the so they they won one, lost one. Yeah, we did not play them uh, that year. That um, we uh, that was not the big. I would I would not call it the biggest game. We ended up playing La Cunada, uh in the CIF finals, yeah. and you know if if there's Vegas odds on it, not to sound too much like Jack Pollan with Vegas odds. <laughs> But, um, you know, we're probably 15 to 20 point favorites. Right. And 
we all know that, you know, from a, what's on paper, but uh, their coach over there is a Coach Hoffman, Coach Ted uh, Hoffman at La Cunata. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's an unbelievable coach, and his offensive spacing has you guarding for all 35 seconds. Oh, and they spread us out, and uh, Justin got in foul trouble early, and it was, it was a game, man. And, um, you know, I believe we won it in overtime. Wow. But I, I remember talking to Drew um, the day before. I was like, you ready, man? I was like, you ready to do this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, even if I got to score 40, well, he had 39, you know? So <laughs> He had a score so 40. He, he, yes. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a great game. So I'd, I'd say that, yeah. Yeah. Um, going into his senior year, you're still on staff there? You stayed no, on? so I left after that year and returned to Russell at Crespi. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, so, and I was the head JV coach for those next two years. Got it. Um, what shifted? What, what, going to a national level team, and so mm -hmm. Russ, uh, that was his second year at Crespi. Yes. What shifted to call you back um, to, to Crespi? I think mastering your craft is really important, right? So being in, in the head coach's seat was far more of a need for me. Got it. Um, and, and returning to my mentor, I, I needed those additional two years of training. Mm. I just did. You know yeah. what I mean? Looking back on it, I didn't think I did at the time. Right. Okay. Um, but in terms of really being able to run a program, right? Um, and, and I learned so much from him those next two years. And um, yeah, it was it was very beneficial. And our our Crespi teams got couldn't hurry, you know. <laughs> they got good in a hurry. So um, yeah. Were you a, a player developing coach as well? Like, were you on the court with your guys when you were, you know, on the lower levels or an assistant coach? Oh, what was yeah. that like? I then? Mean, yeah. You, you you got no kids. I mean, you lived <laughs> on the court. I'd, at Campbell, I'd stay every day with Justin Holiday, and his work ethic was so incredible. Yeah. Right. And it it was so fun to show him something and it you know another kid with that doesn't have his uh, basketball background or athletic abilities takes you know three four five weeks to pick some up he'd yeah. pick it up in a session yeah 10 minutes like it was yeah. incredible man and uh justin's become a beautiful shooter yes. um you know i mean that's how he's uh really uh, aside from all his intangibles really stay in the league i mean he's right around 40 percent every year yeah um so to go through that shooting process with him you know, every single night was was really cool for me. Yeah, no, I, his his story is amazing. Going overseas for a little yes. bit and contemplating retirement, and then yes. boom, the NBA hits, and he's yes. been there ever since. Yeah, he's been there yeah. ever since for sure. <laughs> so, no, that's that's amazing for sure. All right, so going back to Crespi, JV coach and assistant varsity, varsity coach. I'm assuming. Assistant. I did both. Yeah, 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 I'm assuming. Yeah. I did it and all. And then uh, for two years, two, two years. more years. Yep. And then you get the call up to Viewpoint. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, you're applying for jobs along the way. You're not getting them. I still have my list. So I know, how, <laughs> you know, every time we play them. But, um, you know, Viewpoint gave me my first chance. Uh, Patrick Moy, our athletic director there, um, and, uh, and Bob Dorkowski, who was that, the, the then headmaster, okay. uh, took a chance on a 27-year-old kid, you know, um, and the rest is history so far. Yeah. Man, so stepping into a head coaching job, what... I'm I'm getting a head coaching job next year. What are the first three things that I need to know stepping on campus? Mm -hmm. I think everybody speaks to culture. I'm really sick and tired of that. If I'm being honest, <laughs> I think you got to follow your north star, right? It's mm. it's what are the things that are important to you and your staff, and you start implementing that each and every day, right? You, you, what's the what's the moral and ethical fabric going to be for you for your program? Um, because 
we don't get the famous when, when you're taking over a program and you're 27 you're not getting the nationally ranked team right you know you, you're starting from scratch essentially um and it's the famous bill parcells line you know if if I'm going to cook the meal, I want to shop for the groceries. But we don't get to do that, you know. <laughs> so focusing on the players you do have, not the players you don't, was where we started, right? Um, and within three years, we went from four wins to 12 wins to 18 wins. Um, and our the, we went the furthest in school history. We went to all the way to the quarterfinals. Wow. Um, and it was uh, we played Coach uh, George Zidane's team, oh, yeah. Campbell Sacred Heart, and it was a one-point game with 30 seconds to go. Uh, they got the best of us, but we, I mean, we were right there yeah. within three years. And, um, we then, um, after that year made the decision as a school to re-league, right? So we were in the Liberty League up until that point, which was a very good league, but the Gold Coast League essentially took us, you yeah. know, to, uh, you know, an, uh, another place in, in the landscape of, uh, you know, high school basketball. Yeah. So, uh, you're talking about, you know. Sierra Canyon, uh, Brentwood, Campbell Hall, uh, Windward. The league was loaded. I think five teams our first year uh, were top 25 in the state. Uh, Pacific Hills was in that time. They had five Division I. So here we are. We graduate uh, nine players uh, from our quarterfinal team. Enter Christian Jazang, you know, Mieoni, and and Aram Arslani, and Shiaud Enlai. Some of our players that were trailblazers along with Tim Howell um, and it was a tough year you know in league I thought we had a really good basketball player uh, team and players um, we were just very very young mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah I think we were 0 and 12 we were in every game we, we yeah. were hanging around hanging around and then they would just you know they, they knew how to win and, and we didn't up until that time right um, so yeah so uh, re-leaguing was the best thing in the world for us, though. We knew we'd take some lumps. Right. Um, but I think that's what led us to um, our successes as well. Yeah. So. No, the, the having a young team who can compete at that level and yeah. may not get the wins on the court, mm-hmm. but those little wins are, sure. are building into something. And I think it speaks to... So you, you built the program to even get re-leagued, right? I don't think they yes. would have took you if you were four and whatever. 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And the patience of your administration... To yes. understand that, I think there's a huge misconception from people who maybe haven't played or mm-hmm. haven't coached. I'm gonna say basketball specifically because I can speak to that. Is that yeah. it takes time. You had a, uh, the, your quarterfinal team had nine seniors. Yes, you had to build it when 100%. Uh, when you made it to the CIF finals. Mm-hmm. You had strong juniors and a senior who's an NBA player. 100%. You won it when all your guys were seniors. Like yes. having that patience when somebody. As you know, one needs to rebuild and sure. restructure, and I think we, you know, it's, it's just like the NBA. Yeah. You had the last three uh, championship coaches before this year all yeah. got fired a year later, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. And so, um, you know, speak to that. Your administration, what is that communication like during those times? Is there something to be said by the coach, or is there just an understanding overall? It's yeah, it's a really good question. So, so Patrick Moore, our athletic director, I think he's in year thirty-five of viewpoint. So at that time he was in year 20, maybe 21. Um, the headmaster at the time was close to 30 years. Um, so um, to say they're seasoned vets um, mm-hmm. in the athletic you know, uh, landscape and from a school high academic standpoint would be an understatement. Um, you know, 
the value at our school is placed on, uh, we, I work with a gentleman named Travis Kikagawa, and he talks a lot about life over sport, right? And, and I already alluded to, you know, following a North Star. And Patrick really allows us as head coaches to develop, build, nurture, foster growth, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that ethical component of, you know, having the strict adherence to the CIF rules and, and protocols, right, yeah. um, is very important to him. And I love it as a head coach because I know the terms of engagement, right? I know what the expectations are. Uh, the communication is very clear. Mm -hmm. It's very transparent. Um, you know, and, and we were willing to be patient and build within. And, yeah. and that's what we did, you know. Um, and then as you start to gain some traction and you start going to more events and you start playing better, we became very much a referral-based program, you know. Yeah. And um, we've had a lot of success doing it. But from a headmaster to associate headmaster to athletic director, um, there, there has to be patience and... I'm grateful that they were, you know, because a four-win season's hard. Um, even when you know it's going to be an uphill climb, yeah. uh, it's still very hard to go through. Um, you know, and, and 12 wins sounds like a lot by comparison, but that's still a losing season, right? right? So you go from four wins, you triple your win total, you're 12 and 15 the next year. It's still a losing <laughs> season. We made first round of playoffs. Um, we uh, went down to St. Margaret's. Okay. Uh, we were the 31 seed. They were the two seed. Oh, got okay. absolutely pounded. <laughs> um, but it was a step in the right direction, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. Awesome. So going into, you know, you see a shift, right? After mm -hmm. that, their freshman year, you know, Christian and Mia sophomore year. Sure. Um, which shifted? What, what characteristics of that team um, did you know they had championship potential yes. growing into it? And what were those characteristics? Yeah, so I really believed in that group from the time they arrived on campus. Um, there was something special about them to this day. You know, when, they're, when they were living in different states for colleges or now that their lives are getting busier, um, I mean, they would come back from college, they'd land, they'd go meet at IHOP, and they'd sit there for four hours and catch up. Mm -hmm. You know, so they're very close even to this day. Um, there was that connective tissue that they had that every championship team needs, right? Yeah. You need that connective tissue. And, um, you know, so you saw it building, building. Doesn't mean it wasn't a struggle, right? I mean, when you're 0-12 in league, it's hard. Yeah. You know, when you're 2-8 uh, the next year, it's hard. Um, and then when they came out the other side, and now they're juniors and seniors, and now they're, you know, the grown men of, of, yeah. of high school basketball, you really started to see, from a physicality standpoint, uh, team up with their skills. And then uh, we really took off from there. Um, but yeah, I, I saw something very special in them. I have a couple of them. Uh, Charles Kleinman's our head JV coach to this day. Oh. One of the most important players in our program, Ram Arslanian. He does anything we need, whether it's varsity assistant, head frosh off coach, JV. They love the program. Uh, Matt Kern, um, he arrives on campus every chance he gets. Our guys come back and they, you know, they want to coach. They want to be a part of it. They want to give back. Yeah. Um, and that's all from that special group. You know, yeah. Mie uh, tells me all the time, Christian tells me all the time, whatever you need, coach. You know, whatever you need, coach. And, and Shiloh Denley, these guys are just really special to us. Yeah, so absolutely. What, what's it like coaching a pro? So you've coached probably... 10 to 12 pros over your career? I think, I think it's seven. I think it's seven. Seven? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. I'm hoping um, I get to 10 or 12. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Seven. Um, 
What is that? Well, I'm including guys that you coach UAA in, in club ball, right? It's still yeah, seven-ish? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's okay. still seven-ish. I might be missing one. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. So, multiple pros. What is it like coaching pros? What is different? How, you know, every parent thinks their kid is a pro. Mm-hmm. What is the real difference that you've seen in your experience coaching pros? A couple things. I think pros at the high school level are terrifying to be an opposing coach of, right? It's the second they cross half court, it's like, you know, get them. You got to grab them, you know, find them, uh, you know. So it, it's one of those. But I, I think it's, it's their approach to the game, how serious they are about their trainings, yes. uh, their nutrition, right, uh, how they take care of their bodies. Um, they live, breathe, eat, sleep, training, conditioning, and, and basketball. And uh, their dedication, um, you know, it's the famous line, the difference between interest and commitment. There's kids that love basketball that show up for the two hours of practice, they go home. And they don't pick up a ball till the next day when two more hours of practice. Um, and then it's killer instinct. Yeah. Um, every pro that I've had the ability to coach um, and the great fortune of coaching, they, they have that killer instinct. Yeah. You know, you, you, you can stack the deck against them in a practice. Uh, I'm sure you've heard this from Coach Tate. You know, you, you try and put the next five best players after Drew on one team. And then, you know, the other players uh, who are really good, too, on that team uh, with Drew. And you, you try and stack the deck a little. And he would always find a way to win. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, Nico Mannion, you know, 15U, um, him and Josh Green, playing against 17 you guys and they had that switch when they'd get mad you know <laughs> it's like no we've had enough yeah you know if you're down 10 all of a sudden you're up six it makes us guys as coaches look real smart at times too <laughs> right. you know do you so, think that's that's developed or do you think that's they're kind of born with it um i i think some of it's you know they're born with it. its genetic component but i also believe it's how they're raised yeah right um that you have that deep self-belief that's instilled within you from mom and dad mm -hmm. right um partnered with um somebody sh I, I don't think people know how to work hard you know they see the examples in their life yes. they have somebody you brought up mentors earlier they have a mentor that guys in big brother right or, or or you know a grandfather a father an uncle a mother um a sister whoever it is in their life you you, you learn how to work hard yeah. you establish a work ethic right and, and, and if you don't, you got people that are honest with you. Hey, you're not working hard enough, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's an absolute necessity um, in order to be successful. But in terms of pros, those are the two things that, that stand out to me as approach and that killer instinct. Parents, yeah. listen to the man. <laughs> training, commitment to yes. training, nutrition. I'm sure they didn't have excuses. I know these kids. They had no excuses. They lived, they lived in the gym. They were 100%. literally either in... View, at viewpoint yes. when they didn't have viewpoint they're at 360 health club training yes. like these kids were just they're mm -hmm. animals when it comes to that and their parents just was yes mm -hmm. yes and held them accountable to it i 100 I, I can't stress that enough like the highlight mixtapes and who you think your kid is is important yeah it's important but if you really want them to have an opportunity to be a pro at any level those things yes just really really separate them that killer instinct attitude which has mm -hmm. to do with how they're raised and i think that comes from the accountability and responsibility yes. you give them as they're growing up as well as just their inner hunger mm -hmm. like don't can't force anybody to be a pro basketball player they've tried multiple times and they usually are they're not in the nba anymore 
correct? They're not. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think as a head coach, all the guys that were aspiring for that level and good enough for that level, you worry about them as head coaches. Are they doing too much? Mm. You know, and, and then you take a school like ours who has the high academic component. Yes. Right? So they got to get it done in the classroom. You know, are they getting the right amount of sleep? Right? Are they getting the right amount of rest for their body? Like, there's management with that. So when that starts to get on my radar for a player, um, I know that's also a really good sign because they're uh, so d devoted to the game. Yeah. So absolutely. Absolutely. And um, you've been able to put 20, how many? 27? 33, how many kids in college now? So, so at Viewpoint, it's 22. 22 um, at Viewpoint. Yeah. So as a head coach, you've been 22 people yeah. Two in the college. One, two, three. Yeah. Understanding that process, um, how tough is it to be a college basketball player nowadays? It's It only gets harder, <laughs> you know, especially um, when the NCAA during COVID awarded the year of eligibility back, right? I really felt like there was a massive log jam that was created, and I'm not sure there's been a market reset yeah. for for the route from high school straight to college. I don't think that's happened, especially with the transfer portal. Yeah. So um, you have to be really good. Um, and even sometimes that's not enough. Um, so now that kind of segues into, well, as a high school basketball coach, how do you create a safety net for your players, right? Yeah. Um, so I've really worked hard to establish a uh, close relationship for postgraduate years with boarding schools yeah. um, because that market now, you know, gives these kids an extra year, but it also, you go to a, like a Phillips Exeter or a Suffield or, you know, something like that. You, you, you get into an, uh, uh, an area where academics, right now, all of a sudden your, your network expansion from, uh, from a standpoint of life also grows. So yes. forget just basketball, right? Um, it enhances your 40 year plan. Um, so you get trained to be a college student, number one. Obviously, high schools do a great job of that, but now this is more college-like, um, number one. Number two, they're training you even further how to be a collegiate athlete. Yes. You're playing grown men every night. You're not running in a 14, 15, 16-year-old, so you're playing more like athletes. Um, there's just so many advantage to, advantages to that route to continue on your path. Yes. Right. So I think there's something to kids in California specifically going to the East Coast for yes. basketball and 100%. getting out of here because it's so saturated. There's a lot of talent here. Yes. And it's hard to see. We've had many kids who slipped away to University of Virginia, <laughs> no California school and, and yeah. won the national title. Shout out to Kihei. But I'm just yeah, like, it's like yeah. how, do, how do you how do you have somebody in your backyard that's that good and you just let them slide away? No, no offense to college yes. coaches, but it's happened. Yes. And it's like get out right mm -hmm. get get to the east coast travel a little bit i think yeah. it's, it's just important that kids know all their options mm -hmm. and understand the dynamic of california basketball is nothing like it i don't care what anybody yeah. says there's nothing like southern california basketball because of the Agreed. amount of talent and so you have to as a head coach work extremely hard for your guys too mm -hmm. so if somebody's going to supply you with their blood sweat and tears and all this time and all this commitment and all this sacrifice you got to get on the phone and yes. you got to call and you're not going to, you know, uh, obviously develop a lot of relationships with a lot of coaches, but there's so many coaches out there, um, some you don't know, right? And it's yeah. like, you keep calling until they answer. Yep. They're eventually going to answer. And yep. the hope is, is that they, they take uh, their, their job seriously and they come watch your, your, your player. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's our job as high school head coaches to get on the phone. Um, I'm not really an email guy. I'd rather do the phone thing, um, you know, and uh, get them in your gym.
So yes, this will be a clip that we're posting on Instagram because <laughs> it's important for head coaches <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> um, awesome. So, all right, two two moments that you've uh, experienced. I want you to talk about them both, and then mm-hmm. we're going to compare them a little bit sure. because they have different contexts. One, winning a CIF title. Yes. What is that? What emotionally, uh, mentally, physically, spiritually? What did that feel like winning a CIF title? It wasn't what I thought it would be, if you want to know the truth. Um, in that moment, it was an out-of-body experience for me. I was so happy for my players. Um, you know what I mean? Like for me, that was seeing the smile, their, their smiles, their, their hugs, their, the sheer joy, right, in the locker room. Like I get goosebumps thinking about it now, walking in that locker room after you do your, your interviews and stuff. And, uh, man, it was just to come around that corner and they're hugging each other and they see you and they hug you. And yeah, I got goose, I got goosebumps <laughs> thinking about it. But for me, um, I didn't, f- I felt great because we accomplished something that had never been done in school history. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just so happy for them, but I didn't feel much different. I felt such a sense of accomplishment the year before as well, guiding that team to uh, a CIF final for the first time in school history. Um, and you know, we were down 19 in the first half and we took the boys, we, we talked about not shooting too many threes when we was really long that year. Uh, they were loaded with size and a Mulholland highway were, 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 were guard heavy. <laughs> right, right. right. So, you know, um, you know, so going, we, we made a couple threes early, of course, and we took the fool's gold uh-huh. and started shooting too many, go down 19 to the point where I sit down next to coach Ron. Like, this isn't going so well, man, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, Mie hits this half-court shot to go into halftime, and we kind of got a little momentum out of that, and we chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. We'd cut it to five, and when we were so good, they'd go up ten. And then we'd cut it to four, and they'd go up eight. And it got to the point with about a minute left, uh, Christian Jazang gets a left-handed layup to put us up one. And I'll just never forget the roar of the crowd. It was our whole section. This is at section. Viewpoint, right? This is, the game was not at Viewpoint. It wasn't, this, is, okay. this is our CIF final against Winwood. Oh, this so is a final. Opponent. Oh, so, okay, okay. So this is CIF final. And, and, you know, legitimately, Christian makes this left-handed layup. And uh, it was like 50 years of having no basketball history, really, at the school being erased in that moment. Mm. And the crowd, I'll never forget the roar. I can hear it right now. And we go up one, and when we were so good, like I said, they go up one within 10 seconds, so it's short-lived. Um, we're literally down one point with four seconds to go. Um, and uh, Aram Arslanian uh, makes one of the most unbelievable catches off of it because we not only played each other twice in the league, now we're playing CIF final. So that third time, they know all your stuff. Right. We know all their stuff. It's hard to get the ball in bounds. Aram makes this unbelievable catch, gets fouled, goes to the foul line, um, misses the first of two. And um, Aram was an incredible player, played for the Armenian national team. Yeah. Um, and again, this is where coaching and the journey matters. Him being able to stabilize in that moment and swish the next one to send the game into overtime hmm. was a remarkable accomplishment in itself. You know, the competitor and you wants both and you leave, you know, winning. But we go into overtime, we just got outplayed. Um, you know, they had a couple offensive rebound put back, Sharif O'Neal. Um, we go on to lose, but my feeling after that game was just 
pride, man. Yeah. And then Aram, uh, to his credit, I think was probably in meaningful moments, a hundred percent foul shooter when it when the game was on the line the next year in 2016 when we won. Yeah, I didn't even watch. That's how good he became. Mm -hmm. So again, young players, uh, yeah. you know, working on your game. He wanted those moments. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the feeling when you win uh, for me was more about the team and yeah. everything we had gone through in those four years. No, that's awesome. You know, like yeah. you literally, it look I can see your words. It's like crazy yeah. how, how detailed yeah. you are in remembering these moments. That sure. Were, you know, seven, eight years ago, seven years ago now. Yeah. 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 So that's yeah. awesome that this that vivid to you and um, mm -hmm. um, awesome. So the second moment, um, hearing Mihe being drafted to the NBA. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> so Mihe, uh, his agent is a is a great friend of mine, Jason Glushan, who does uh, Glushan, uh, Glushan Sports Management. Um, and uh, just hearing your name get called because um, at that time he was one of 4,000 you know that had ever been able to play in the NBA I mean the percentages of you um, being able to make it to that level or so I mean right. what is it point oh oh one percent yes it's insane you, you, you more people um, get struck by lightning yes so. you're yeah no, you're, seriously, you're right yes. right yes yeah so yeah, I didn't even think of it from that perspective <laughs> um, so yes it's truly remarkable but Mie's journey was really unique um, you know, I have pictures of him at five, nine, you know, as a freshman and we saw the size his father had and his sister, um, and his mother, I remember she told me, you know, he could play in the NBA and it, her, her belief in her son was incredible as was the father's sophomore year. Um, things aren't materializing the way he wants. He sticks with it, sticks with it, builds himself up to the start of junior year where he's playing great. And he's ready to have a monster year for us. The weirdest thing, he goes up. Uh, this was Kyle Lufroy's St. Francis team. We played them in a scrimmage. They're coming off the CIF finals. So it's a really good scrimmage and a really good test to see where we were at. He goes up for a dunk. My back's turned. All of a sudden, you know, it's every coach's nightmare. Ah, ah. We're talking layup lines, man. Something in his knee just gave. And, wow. um, you know, he misses three months, uh, comes back the tail end I think the game before playoffs and then playoffs and excuse me we get eliminated um, so his junior year doesn't go the way he had wanted it was taken from him um, to his credit builds himself up builds himself up he's playing incredible I think he grew another couple inches from like the fall to like January oh, for sure so yeah. he now goes from 6'4 to 6'6 the guy's going for uh, you know 20 and 12 and four blocks and six assists uh, Mie loved to pass as much as he loved to score. Um, he always, uh, you know, tapped me on the shoulder, coach, coach, let's let me play some point guard. Let me. So I made I made an, uh, uh, an arrangement with him because uh, he's also an elite businessman. You know, <laughs> and, I mean Yale mind. And, <laughs> yes. uh, you get the rebound, you play point guard, buddy. So uh, I love, love those rebounding uh, yes, numbers. Shot up. <laughs> you know, it's hard though. You know, you know, you have a really talented player that can handle the ball and pass like him. But you have Christian Jazang, you have Shio Denlo, you have so everybody on that team could really handle it. So it was hard to, you know, balance that. And to his credit, you know, he bought into that role beautifully and uh, took us to places we had never gone. Awesome. So, and he was he was committed to a Division three school, right? Yes. Yeah, so he was committed to to Williams Division three, uh -huh. um, and you know that didn't go exactly how one would want. And uh, the great coach Jones, James Jones at Yale, came calling and 
um, shortly after uh, things didn't work out with Williams and uh, Coach Jones, I, I, you know, he's incredible. Uh, for those that don't know about the Yale basketball program, he runs a remarkable program over there. Yeah. And uh, Mie went and played for him. And uh, but that summer, Mie blew up too. So he not only blew up in our season. Uh, that BTI team goes on to um, either be in the championship game of the Fab 48 or win the Fab 48. So now all of a sudden, University of Wisconsin's calling me. Uh, Michigan, Florida, like, I mean, he blew up. Right, right. And, uh, you know, guys, you're going to have to check in with, with Mie and his family. But he is very loyal to Coach Jones in Yale, and he's going to be attending Suffield. And uh, he very much followed that route and ended up graduating from Yale. Um, yeah. It's a pretty incredible story. Yeah, no, it's so, amazing to yeah. see somebody like late, late bloom, right? Yes, it, for like sure. he just just a late bloomer who stayed focused, yes, battled through injury, and um, man, the kid's always smiling. Like yes, just, he's just always smiling. He's yeah. always had a good spirit, and yeah. um, you still see it now. So it's, mm. that's awesome, man. Huge heart, coach. Like he has yeah. a huge heart on the court. Like I said about, he's a killer, man. Yeah. I did not have to keep score with him and Shio Danloy for. <laughs> Four years, like wow. they—that's how you know you got a good team when the coach never has to keep score. Yes, you they, know they know it because oh, they yeah. know it. Yeah, <laughs> they know it. Awesome. So, um, working through now, you're um, you know, your current team you got a young team. Yes. Um, yeah. you know, uh, still in the Gold Coast, so mm -hmm. every game is competitive. Everyone. Um, you guys, you guys snuck one away last year, right? Uh, in the Gold Coast. Oh yeah, against Campbell Hall yeah. to, to end the year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so, um, you know, like you said, there's these moments, right? And, you know, every four years almost, you gotta kinda hit a reset or a, a rebuild. Sure. And, um, you know, looking forward to seeing your growth and, and the kids' growth. Um, you know, you have seen what you, you're able to do with, hey, yeah. we're here at this level and building it up sure. and then building it up, so. Excited to see what you're going to do. Um, what can we expect just from your your team this year and, you know, over the next next two years or so? We want state. So, like, that's that's the next goal at, at Viewpoint is bring a state championship to the basketball side of things. Um, we fell short in 2016. We were in the state regional finals. Uh, we lost to uh, Dave Rubibo and uh, Harvard Westlake. Um, and we lost in the state regional finals again in 2022. So not last year, the year before. Um, when I tell you it's, for me, maybe it's because I've lost there twice. Uh, we've lost there twice. It's, it's a very hard place to lose. Mm. You can literally sniff Sacramento. Yeah. And to be there twice, um, that's, you know, our goal, our, our, our uh, vision is set on that prize. Um, in regards to the group currently, um, I love them. I think they have the talent to do it. Uh, the group we have intact is going to be together minimum two years. Nice. A lot of them will be together three years. So as uh, you know, yes, we are builders of basketball teams. That's what we take, you know, unbelievable pride in. Um, we're never afraid of that challenge. Um, you know, so um, I expect a lot of great things from us this year, next year, and beyond. Awesome. awesome. We're, we're hunting that state title. No, I love it. I love it, man. I love the goals so. and um to see how you get there right and that, that's what i'm going to be watching is hey what yeah. how are you adjusting because i'm just uh i just love the game and i love to see how people different people yeah. reach their goals right sure. so many different ways to do it but there's some consistencies in in success absolutely and so um being able to see use what you already have for you know success in the past but also add thing add tools to the bag um to mm -hmm. grow over the year so sure excited to see you guys do it um 
Awesome. We're going to hop into uh, my Rushmore. Your okay. top four. And uh, the topic today is your top four UCLA players yes. of all time. You got you, you got to go. Am I starting or are you starting? You know, you're starting this. I'm, I'm starting. starting this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kareem. Yes. You got to okay. go Kareem Abdul-Jabbar there. Um, at the time, Lou Alcindor, right? Sender, yeah, yep. at the time, Lou Alcindor. Yep. Um, you got to go uh, Bill Walton, right? Um, for personal reasons, I'm going to go Marcus Johnson. Because okay. I think, uh, you know, being around Marcus, Marcus helped coach us a little bit and don't, like basically donated his time while I was in Montclair Prep. So he's someone who's, who's real special to me, and he was, he's an absolute legend there as well. Um, his son, Josiah. And then uh, the fourth one for me, um, for my personal Mount Rushmore, <laughs> is, is Drew Holiday. Yeah. You know, for my personal one. Um, I'm sure that comes as no surprise. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that would be my, uh, my UCLA Bruin around Mount I, Rushmore. I love it. Yeah. Um, and so that was the ones that you thought were the best there. Or have most impact because so, that, you, so that two, might be a little different. Two, or are these your so, favorite? These so are those are my favorites. If, if we're talking speaking to historical context, I still think uh, Kareem, Bill Walton, um, hmm. God, it's hard not to choose that O'Bannon because he won the, the national title, right? Yes. And, well, and, well, I was asking because I wanted to make sure I could pick my favorite four yeah. and not the top four. Yeah. And so, because my well, favorite four. You can four, do both. Yeah, yeah. All right. We can balance it out. It's your show. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> right, cause it, look, because UCLA, like I'm a UCLA now. I'm a UCLA fan. Where sure. I don't have an NBA team, I'm a UCLA fan. Okay. I just love UCLA. Yeah. Uh, my dad went there. And so, I've always just, you know, I grew up just knowing it, right? Sure. Um, Man. Of course, Kareem. Yes. Just I, I can't be stupid. <laughs> I just can't be dumb. A after that, there's a few that just to me impacted basketball different mm -hmm. that went there. Oh, interesting. Um, and so for me, Jordan Farmar, mm -hmm. the, the Final Fours in yeah. a row, those teams, yeah. how he led them, um, just his journey. Mm -hmm. um, you know. I love watching Jordan Farmar just through those years. He's the same age as me, but it was like... He was incredible at Taft, too. So yeah, incredible. I heard, I heard he was yeah. ridiculous. I was in Kansas during the time when he was at Taft. Mm -hmm. and so, but I was still watching UCLA. So I was in college, and I come back and watch him play. That's how good he was. Go ahead, though. Sorry, wow. I interrupted No, you. no, that's, you're fine. This yeah. is where we get to chop it up. Um, and, oh, man, this is, so, this is so bad, but it's just the truth. Um, Darren Collinson as well. Like these guys to me, I guess, because they are my same age and just sure. watching them and then seeing their careers in the NBA for 10 years. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, to me, I think UCLA has this culture of point guard. Yeah. That sometimes they miss on. But those, they were the culture, right? Yeah. They were the culture. I was too young for Baron Davis. To, well, I was in like Understood. watching basketball yeah. like that. But I know he was... The man. You're aging me now. You're aging me. I, I had to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, I'm going to I'm gonna throw it throw a little. I think I'm gonna do uh, Jaime Jaquez, man. Oh, good. R most recent. I love it I, because to stick through it felt like a little turmoil. Like he just stuck sure. through, and he's a. He's in the league now. He's a ho with Miami. With like, the perfect organization for him. Yeah. And I think, he, I think he's going to do great. All through high school to stay at Camarillo, Camarillo. four years, not, not jump the gun, yep. work on his game, yep. and do it. And then go to UCLA, four mm -hmm. years, 
and just do it and just buy in. He just bought in to what Cronin was teaching. 100%. It's let him. I, I love that. That's impact to me. Is like yes. somebody who has the potential and takes advantage and doesn't make excuses for their situation yep. and freaking makes it, man. Yeah. Now, shout out to all my other, you see, like Matt Barnes, uh, like all these, all these yeah. other people. Yeah. Those are just the four that stick off the top of my head for this sure. conversation. There's so many more. Sure. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's where we're at for that. So Yeah, Matt Barnes, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. No. What a great NBA career that was. Yeah. And to have his two sons now. Yes. Same journey. Oh, man. That's got to be very cool for him. Yeah. No, he's he's he loves it. You can see it, like him coaching them in AAU yes. and coming back. Like, he doesn't yes. have to do that, but he absolutely loves it. Yeah. And um, he's really cool, man. They're, yeah. Everybody I know that went to UCLA, UCLA was just, they're just awesome, man. Yes. They're like, they're good people. And, and um, it's LA. It's like so LA to me. LA culture. Yeah. <laughs> LA basketball. So. Um, well, awesome. UCLA, um, the former UCLA player, Coach Bailey Moose, he's does an unbelievable job at Brentwood. Yes. I mean, he's a fantastic basketball mind yeah. and fits right in with uh, your theory that they're good guys, man. He's yes, he's fantastic. He's he's easy to call and chop up hoops with or yeah. get his advice on or opinion. He's he's one of the real good guys, man. Yeah. And then a Tiger Cap. Oh, man, there's so many. There's so many, <laughs> like these new guys, Cody yeah. Riley, like yeah. the local guys who got in. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Aaron Holiday, mm-hmm. you know, and like him going from, oh, I'm starting to a sixth man and still making it to the NBA when Lonzo yes. came. Lonzo bought like UCLA, UCLA basketball. Y'all can't. I don't, I don't want to hear from anybody else. <laughs> UCLA basketball is, is it. But um, awesome. So this is the part of the interview where we flip the script. Yes. Okay. Two, um, two questions for me. Any subject. Anything you want. I would love to know where you see yourself in 20 years. Ooh. Given the years. nature of uh, what you're currently doing, and maybe there's a vision for that 20 years down the road, or maybe there's a vision for you in life after basketball. Absolutely. So 20 years from now, there's two worlds I live in, and hopefully they can come together in 20 years. One, I want to, I want to be with an NBA team in like the the back office. Um, front office, sorry, in the front office somewhere, putting championship teams together. That's cool. That's Something great. like that. I, I would. I do yeah. it on NBA 2K. I don't even play the game. I go to my GM <laughs> mode. Yes, I go to my GM mode. I literally win championships with every team. Like, well, there you go. I, I know how to build chemistry. Yes. Like that should be on the a, resume. <laughs> yes, that's got to go on the resume. 2K, 17 championships. <laughs> so yeah, um, doing that. Um, and just being influential in the basketball space, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I feel like I'm impacting the Valley now with this kind of stuff, but, um, you know, just giving other people the voice to mm-hmm. like, just share their experience, I think is amazing. So I think stepping to that level, being able to get mm-hmm. to that level takes this kind of stuff, right? Sure. These podcasts and whatever this grows into, mm-hmm. um, and like just consulting in basketball, right? In- increasing my knowledge and getting mentors in the spaces that I want to go sure. to. I think all of this is going to lead to that level. And then there's another part of me that's uh, I want to be uh, I want to be Harvey Katani. I want to be at a nice private school. Sure. And um, being able to be connected to Team USA, to, mm-hmm. um, you know, a shoe brand. Sure. Um, and just teaching the game at a high level and being compensated for it. I'm not even going to like that. It's the truth. It's, mm-hmm. I just I want to be compensated for what I know about basketball now. Do I do it for the love still? Absolutely. There is mm-hmm. always service in me and free sessions and free coaching that I'll always give. 
but also I understand this business. And if mm -hmm. I can be there where I'm at, you know, competing for mm -hmm. CIF and state championships, and that's like my retirement is that I'm coaching basketball and um, love it. Yeah, just investing into kids and, and helping them reach their goals is like, that's my passion. And so still continuing to do that. Um, so hopefully, I think both of those can happen in a mm -hmm. way. Um, but that's, that's where I see myself in 20 years. Free, gosh, in our world, that's <laughs> all the time, right? Yes. It's like our intellectual property doesn't matter. It doesn't. You know, it's, yeah, so. Yeah. Yep. Question two? Question two. Um, I don't know if I have a question two. That's the one I wanted to ask you. <laughs> How's it going? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have a question two. Can, could we be leave, can we leave it at one? We could. You're the first person to do this. I don't know if we can. Okay. We're gonna have to go to the producers, Karina. K Karina. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with two. I'll go with two. You, you just gotta, gotta find one. Find one. We'll give you time. We'll give you time. You brought up shoe brand. Okay. Okay. So, okay. so when you have your own private school program, hmm. are you gonna do? You know, take the safe route with Nike. You know, because or are you gonna go something else? Very interesting. Or is so. there gonna be a core prep shoe eventually? Uh, no, I will never. I'll no. never do, I'm never doing triple B's, man. True. <laughs> I'm never okay. doing triple B's. Shoes. Okay. I'm, okay. I, um, you know, I've I've always thought about this because of Core, right? Core has mm -hmm. had opportunities where shoe brands, um, not necessarily wanted to sponsor, but mm -hmm. maybe gift or help out, whatever it is. Um, I I am a Jordan guy. I love mm -hmm. Jordans. Um, like the shoes I wear when I hoop are Team Jordan. After you get done with this, can I, can I have a third question? Because it just came. Yes, absolutely. It just came to yes. me now. All right. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I'm a Jordan guy. So, okay. to me, that's like that's like the elite of the mm -hmm. elite. If um, if I had an opportunity to have Jordan mm -hmm. would be uh, my goal. Now, but I'm open to every shoe brand. That's my personal taste. I'm open to every shoe brand. Whoever wants to partner with me and what we're doing with core mm -hmm. right and or what i would be doing with high school mm -hmm. i'm open to having that conversation because um i believe in in that i believe this is that with high character and mm -hmm. high quality product that you're going to add value wherever you go mm -hmm. and that's yep. the two things that i focus on the most in my life that i pray that my character stays high that i stay humble and working hard and that um the quality of our product what mm -hmm. I teach I'm a basketball school I'm not a NBA skills trainer I'm not a the best coach to ever touch the court no we're a school I'm going to teach you how to play basketball we do that at a very high level there mm -hmm. are not many kids who leave our program not understanding the game of basketball sure. and so that's now they all think they're Michael Jordan when they leave and that's a whole another question another side their confidence but mm -hmm. teaching basketball is what we do so whoever wants to partner with us in um giving that message out love it i would i would love to be with so love yeah. it so you, you kind of spawned my next question with okay. with that explanation who's your goat oh boy all right so the goat the goat thing so i i believe there's uh, let me how, how do i give you a straight answer so michael jordan is my goat Right, Michael Jordan is the one who. Can you say it in the camera for my coaches? Michael staff? Jordan is thanks, my man. Coach. <laughs> thanks, man. Now that comes with a caveat. It comes with a little asterisk, right? Okay. Michael Jordan is my goat because of the like the love that he made me feel for the game. Same. That, that, yeah. That's it's the love, and mm -hmm. and he did it such a. The, his attitude towards it for me was sure. the way I would want to do it yeah. and go out right. 
Yeah. Um, I believe the goat of the game, though, mm -hmm. is LeBron James. Okay. Uh, let's let's edit that for the coaching staff. <laughs> That's not going to be in there, right? You got so the my, power. My goat's Michael. Yeah. The goat is LeBron. Mm -hmm. And I may be a little biased because I've had the opportunity to work with him mm -hmm. and see. Mm -hmm. The focus he had on you just shirts. flexed on me there. With the with the, I had the chance to work with him. You said yes. that you slid that in so subtly. Listen, that's, that's incredible. If you look at that's the pictures incredible. when you walk in, you see it, and then oh yeah, 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 at the top, yeah. So he's up there. So um, to see the greatness mm -hmm. in a workout setting in mm -hmm. action, that's incredible. It's it's amazing. So I'm sure mm -hmm. if I saw Kobe or Jordan do it, I would mm -hmm. feel a certain type of way. Sure, but to sure. see um, to have the opportunity to see LeBron do it day after, like for two summers yeah it was like mm -hmm. this is why that it, it just and i believe he is as close to the perfect basketball player as you can get interesting because his ability to do everything mm -hmm. he can get to any spot on the court um his vision is ridiculous his iq is off the charts mm -hmm. his athleticism at mm -hmm. what is he like 73 now is still <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> he's a, he's just um you know to me he's he is I think when it's when he actually retires, I mm -hmm. think all of us Jordan lovers and Kobe lovers are gonna look back and like, yeah, we're a little crazy. Zero chance we're a little for crazy, me, man. I, I get it. I get but it. I, but I will say this: uh, it. I went back recently and watched uh, highlights from the '08 team, and he's the closest thing to like a monster there is. <laughs> yes. Like some of those blocks, and he's he's remarkable. Yeah. It's just absolutely remarkable. So I, I always say when we argue as a coaching staff about it, we get into the topic often. It's more just, uh, you know, I just say, like, I, I never challenge his greatness. Mm -hmm. Like, you're talking about being the second best ever. You right, know? right, Like, right. that's, you know. Yes. Um, Why is Jordan yeah. better than LeBron to you? For me, um, when you speak to NBA, whose hands do you want on that basketball? Game on the line, Right. And I'm not even speaking to him defensively. I think I think Jordan, from start of his career to end, was a better defender. Um, you know, I think Jordan uh, Jordan's ability to uh, deliver, like uplift his team uh, with the ball in his hands, was just remarkable. And his ability to shot make, like it just I can't say enough good things, man. <laughs> like you put me on the spot with the question, but to me. In the NBA, I, I want the ball in Michael Jordan's hands with the game on the line. I don't want in LeBron's because it's going to go to Ray Allen. No, it's going to go to Kyrie if you look, Irving. If you it's going to go to one of his teammates. If you, you look know. statistically, LeBron's percentage is higher with decision-making shots mm -hmm. than Michael Jordan's. Mm -hmm. And just because we've had moments of him passing the ball and making a correct basketball Answer my play. question, though. What's Who, the question? Do you want, do you want him... Who's I, want LeBron, I want LeBron you, to have the ball. I mean, it's still a good place to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I hear you. I know. I love it. I love. No, I love this. Yeah. I love this argument. I want. So. I would want. I'm a, that's what I'm saying. I feel mm -hmm. like LeBron plays the game mm -hmm. a different way. Now, I'm not dumb though. Like, it's 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 very hard. I like. I hope he's passing it to Jordan. There think, you go. So I want LeBron yeah. to have the ball. Hope he's passing it to yeah. Jordan. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I mean, you're just like, yeah. This is so fun. Same same thing with Magic. Like Magic. Yeah. You know, Matt. You know, I think. Well, LeBron actually doesn't even get enough credit for his, his ability to pass the basketball. Yep. It's incredible. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. But yeah, it's been a he's been amazing for two decades. Yes. You know? Yes. It's just I, the argument is he's been the best player in the league since 07. Yeah. That that night in and night out. Um, minus injury years. But hey, 
we can talk about this. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, right, I, so, I steered us out of no, there. No, this is great. This I is great. I steered us out of there. Um, you got the 24-second shot clock, okay? 24 seconds. Speak to the people in that camera. Um, anything you want uh, that you have going on or um, how to reach you or any encouragement that you have for the people that are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need anybody to reach me. I just think uh, for me, um, young coaches, my message would be to the young coaches is, uh, is grind, be patient, um, and just wait your turn, right? Um, being put on the spot's hard right now. I didn't know I was going to have to share words of wisdom, um, but uh, I appreciate it though. But yeah, I just think uh, young aspiring head coaches, be patient, be hardworking, um, and, and continue to follow your North Star. So, love it. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You've been amazing. Appreciate you, my man. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank we'll see you. you guys next time. Peace.